ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. afternoon, this is Chicky Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group, and our guest today is Don Kirk. And Don has written a book called Heartbeat Leadership. Empower yourself, engage your team, and impact your organization. Don, welcome. Thank you, Chicky. Thanks for having me on your on your show. Well, it is a real pleasure. And you know, this book is is very, very timely because uh, a lot of folks are facing a lot of challenges in leadership, uh, largely because of having to, to lead remotely. But I think that this book, even though it was just published uh, in October, it and, you know, I'm presuming it was written, you know, some time ago because of the way the publishing process goes, uh, I think it's still so entirely relevant with what we're going on uh, or what's going on today. Dawn, why don't you tell us a little bit about your backstory? So, yeah. So, Lucy, how far back I should go. So, I'll just go back to the beginning of kind of my corporate career. So, I um, spent 26 years in uh, two Fortune 100 companies, 18 and a half years uh, with a division of PepsiCo called Frito-Lay, and then I spent eight years um, with the Coca-Cola company, actually one of the largest bottlers called Coca-Cola Refreshments. And I've had a long-term career. I've loved leadership, uh-huh. uh, coaching, developing, mentoring people my entire career. And it really was born out of kind of some of my own challenges coming into corporate America. So as you can imagine, when you come straight out of college, you've got all these big goals and dreams of what you're going to do to conquer the corporate world when you arrive. And Unfortunately, I was kind of met with a little resistance. So if you can imagine, you know, being a 21 year old right out of college, starting a management training program in a predominantly very male dominated industry, the snack industry, um, you can imagine some of the challenges that I faced. But what I what I soon discovered was, you know, sometimes the environment is all, not always ripe for um, great potential when it walks in the door. And what I experienced early on was not feeling welcome, not feeling valued, you know, primarily not just because I would think was an African-American and a female, but I think also because I was so young, you know, I was working around a lot of men that could have been my father and some of them could have been my grandfather. And I think it was just one of those things like, Hey, you haven't lived long enough yet to come in and (laughs) add value. But nonetheless, it didn't feel good. Right. I felt like I had a lot to contribute. I wanted to contribute only to kind of feel like my voice was not heard and I was kind of invisible. And so I was faced with the decision, right? Well, maybe corporate America is not for me. Maybe I want to go do something else. Or, you know, I came in here to to achieve something in in, in corporate America and I want to go and and do that. So I decided instead of being, you know, taking a, a negative approach to the situation, I decided to take a positive approach. And I really went on this learning journey of, okay, what's this leadership thing really about? Like, is this really what corporate America is about? It can't possibly be. So I started reading books. John Maxwell is my favorite author um, and who I've modeled my leadership um, philosophy behind. I started listening to, you know, Anthony Robbins and Brian Tracy and Jim Rohn. I just became this, I'll call it a leadership junkie. I really (laughs) wanted to know how to do this thing right. Um, and so I just really said, you know what, it's up to me. I can't control other people's behavior. All I can control is my own. 
So I just tried to be the best version of myself that I could be in every position that I was in. And I wanted to create a culture where everybody felt valued, everybody felt included. And, um, you know, hopefully through that journey, I was able to influence others. So that's how I've arrived here today. I've spent 26 years doing exactly what I said, primarily because I didn't want anyone else to feel the way that I did. Right. And, um, you know, through those years, people would come to me and ask me for advice. How do you navigate this culture? How have you been able to, you know, move through so many different um, positions in the organization and be a wife and a mom and all these things? Um, and I had colleagues kept saying, you should write a book. And I kept saying, no, I don't want to write a book. And um, so um, decided that that's the best way to get a message out in a broader way, because I can't possibly do enough one-on-one -on -one conversations to have an impact. So right. that's why I decided to go ahead and write the book. And I left corporate America about three years ago to pursue my passion in coaching and consulting and leadership development. And what was the real catalyst for that? I mean, did, did you anticipate, you know, months ahead that you wanted to leave? Because we've got a lot of folks within the executive girlfriends group who, who are what I call wannabe corporate escape artists, right? <laughs> they, they think about it and, and every time they think about it, they think about the steady paycheck and yeah. the security. Although I would argue that, that since we started the Executive Girlfriends Group 10 years ago, which was right in the midst of another economic uh, time of uncertainty, <clears throat> that really since then, we haven't had uh, the kind of corporate security we did when, when all of us were younger. Right, that's an excellent question. So a little bit more about my backstory that I didn't share is that I've pretty much been an entrepreneur all my life. So my first business, I started at the age of 12, which was a lawn mowing business. I grew up in a family that, you know, did entrepreneurial things. My dad actually was a mechanical engineer, but he always had side jobs, you know, building decks and building garages and just doing odds and end jobs. So I've been around entrepreneurship my entire life. Um, and even through my 26 years, believe it or not, I always had a side gig going on, whether it was Mary Kay Cosmetics. I was always selling something, always doing some type of network marketing. So I knew at some point in time, that I wanted to work for myself. But just to the point you just made, the longer I was in corporate America, the harder it became to make that move when you get used to the paycheck and you're making more money and et cetera. But about four years before I left, I decided to go ahead and start getting my formal credentials in coaching. I started deliberately doing things in corporate America to establish my brand as a speaker. So I always represented Coca-Cola and Frito-Lay whenever I could in speaking engagements. And so I started preparing myself years before I actually left. And you know, through all the corporate reorgs that were going on, it was the first time in my entire career that I had the opportunity to even consider a severance package. And it was a tough decision because I loved what I was doing. But in order for me to stay, I was going to end up having to take some jobs that I wasn't exactly passionate about. And then number two, it was probably going to result in me relocating again. And when we moved to Atlanta, you know, seven years ago, I promised my family that this would be the last move. We were close to my parents and that we would, um, you know, live our lives according to what our personal values were first and career values would be second. So, you know, faced with all of those decisions, I said, you know what, I think this is the perfect off-ramp for me. Um, and I'll take my thank you for working 26 years bridge and uh, sail off into the sunset. And I haven't regretted it. And I've absolutely loved it ever since. 
Good for you. Well, what what a great story. And and also, you know, for those of you who are listening to that, who are in that place now, what great advice of being the spokesperson and being out in front and being, you know, the person who gets the experience talking and being the face of a company and especially for companies the size of Frito-Lay and Coca-Cola. And I think it's interesting that, that you landed in Atlanta. Well, of course, you know, with Coca-Cola, that, that makes a, a ton of sense. Uh, were you in Dallas with Frito-Lay? I wasn't, not permanently. I did have a small, maybe three to six month assignment where I commuted from Chicago uh-huh. to Dallas on an assignment. Okay. Um, I was hoping to get there, but it never happened. So no, I did not get a chance. To well, uh, it's just interesting because my career, I, I uh, also was with companies, uh, two different companies that competed heavily with one another. It happened okay. to be a travel technology uh, and Sabre was uh, based in Dallas and then Worldspan was based in Atlanta. So I moved from uh, Dallas to Atlanta. And then uh, when I decided to leave corporate life, I started consulting, still lived in Atlanta for a while and then moved here to Tampa. Okay. So I have now been here for 20 years. I can't believe that much time has passed just since I've left corporate life, right? Yeah. So anyway, let's switch gears to the book. So the book has a really interesting title and I love the cover of this book. I'm, I'm a sucker for a great cover. <laughs> and, and the title of the book is Heartbeat Leadership. And, you know, it, I think it's easy for women to think about heart and business together, yeah. right? But how about the men in your audience? How do you help them understand the heartbeat of business, uh, which is really how you frame this whole discussion. Yeah, that's that's a great question. And the the thing I would probably say to the men is that, you know, I'll, I'll back up for one second. I I can remember, you know, in in early in my career being told like, you know, this people stuff that you're trying to do, it's too soft, <laughs> it's too slow, and you won't be successful at driving right. results you know, being this focused on people and this concerned about people. And I am so glad I didn't listen to that and that I stuck with this, I'll call it, I'll call heartbeat leadership the modern, the modern version of servant leadership. And I stuck with it and it served me well. And so what I'd say to the men is that you, it, this is not an or situation. This is not stop driving results and start focusing on people. It's really about adding a a higher degree of focus on people to help you accelerate and transform and sustain and replicate results over time. That you may not have to work as hard as you're probably working to get those results day in and day out. If you can turn on the magic of people, which is not as tangible to to see in a report every day, and it may not show up at the top line of the P&L, but when it's not working, believe me, it's a, it's impacting every line of your PNL. Right, right. Well, and I, I think you you bring it back home. And again, normally on the Executive Girlfriends Group, we talk to not only female authors, but usually their book is written for a female audience. And I know your book uh, is not just that, right? While it it certainly will resonate with women, and I think we can talk about things in a slightly different context. Uh, this book was written for both male and female executives. Yeah, and in fact, it's interesting you actually say that because there was a lot of discussion when I was planning this book about who did we, who was I writing to? And I struggled with that in the beginning 
because I said, okay, obviously I'm an African-American female. So do I want to speak to that audience only? And I was like, no, I really want to speak candidly to the, the majority um, C-suite leaders, to be honest, because I, I want them to understand, you know, from my perspective, kind of the unintentional messaging that may be being sent in your organizations um, that may be turning away people. Um, right. and, and so I wanted to write more broadly. I, in, in my opinion, leadership is not female, leadership's not male, it's leadership. And it's about people and it's about your ability to influence in a positive way. And of course, we're all in business to drive results. And, and the two of those can coexist um, and right. you can accomplish both. Right. And, and I would say that my observation about that, because like you, I, I was the one of the most senior women in every organization that I was in corporately. Uh, but again, I was young as well. Uh, the bulk of my career uh, corporately was before I was 40. And uh, I went out on my own shortly after uh, turning 40 or actually just before. And and so you know, I love how you launch into this discussion again about the heartbeat of business and why people are important. But you remind us that it starts with us, right? Mm -hmm. And that leadership isn't about other people, right? It really does begin with us. So what what is the the crux of that? And and how do we get in the right mindset to think about the heartbeat of business? Yeah. So again, leadership starts with you. I, again, I'm a huge John Maxwell fan. And one of the quotes I love to repeat is the highest form of leadership is self-leadership. So before you can leave any, lead anyone else well, you have to be able to lead yourself well. And for me, I mean, leadership really just means I want to be able to influence. So whether that's you know, wherever you are, whether that's you're a mom in your own home, you, you, or you need to be able to influence, whether you are a leader in an organization, you're running a nonprofit, it really doesn't matter. It's about how do you show up and how do you influence those around you positively? Um, and I find that the biggest way to really empower yourself is really about having this learning mindset that, you know, that no matter what position you have, you always have the opportunity to learn from someone else and you also have the opportunity to teach someone else something. So I think it really just starts with a mindset that leadership is influence. It's not a position. It's not about the title. It's not about how much money you make. It's about your ability to influence and lead positively through others. Right, and I love how you use the, the heartbeat and, and the, the talking about each of the elements of what is important in leadership as the pulse points. And uh, you begin with talking about priorities and, and each, each one of these happens to be a P word. So it makes it easy uh, to remember priorities, preparation, people, process, performance, and promotion. So set the stage for us with, with the whole issue of priorities. And by the way, this follows a chapter called go with the flow. Mm -hmm. So uh, that implies to me that you have immediately, you know, once you've figured out your leadership style and what you want to do, now you run into resistance, right? <laughs> uh, and, and some of that resistance is, is often just the, the plethora of things that have to be done. And uh, so talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So when we talk about priorities, obviously I call this the purpose of leadership. So that gives you 
you know, the gift of clarity and helps you position the team to win. But if you think about this in the context of kind of the three areas that I talked about first, empowering yourself, um, I learned early on, you know, about making sure that you're clear on what is important to you as an individual. Um, you know, what are your priorities for even wanting to be in leadership or even wanting to influence in the space that you're in and what's important to you and hopefully that you've aligned yourself with an organization that has similar values. So that's job number one, to make sure you're clear on what's important to you. But as we all know, when we move into leadership uh, positions and we have other people that we're working with, there are a plethora of priorities and things flying at you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the difference between a great leader and an awesome leader or a good leader and a great leader is their ability to provide direction on what's most important right now um, and aligning the team against those priorities so that you can move in the right direction and all your resources and time and energy can be applied against those priorities and not wasted on that are less important, but seem to take up all the time. And my experience has been you know, many times it's not crystal clear what the priority is, even after it's been stated. You know, you can say here are the top three priorities, but when you really watch what's going on, it's like, you know what? What we're doing and all the activities don't align with what we just said our priorities were, right? right? We don't forget, like, as soon as we break the huddle, we just said these were the most important things, but our activities the rest of the day are spent on other things. And I just think it's so important as a leader to constantly remind people what's most important because I always say in the absence of information, people make things up. So they will decide what's important and it may not get you where you're trying to go. Right, right. And and so I, I think it's interesting that a lot of us, um, we, are, we actually have a great deal of clarity about what we need to get done. And, and especially if we have the kind of mind that that sorts those things out and, and actually sees the end game, uh, you know, not, not just the steps. So the next one I think is one of the hardest ones for me personally, because I am a jump to the end, end of the game uh, kind of individual. And that is taking the time to properly prepare. And so for people to really understand those priorities and to align back to those priorities and the overall strategy, there has to be that process of, of preparing and getting people on board with that. So why don't you lead in into that next one from preparation? To yeah, pre preparation is huge. Um, in fact, I've, I've been asked oftentimes if I had to sum up like one thing that was important for me in my journey in, in corporate America and my success in leadership, I would honestly tell you it was preparation. And sometimes people say, wow, you spent that much time. I prepared for everything. And part of that might have been more out of this, you know, this notion that I had to be the best and better in everything that I did. Um, but I think it still served me well, and it will serve other leaders well, is if you just pause. Sometimes we're on automatic pilot. We're so gung-ho to get to the end, like you just said, um, and we're so chasing results that we forget about the preparation and the details that it's really going to take to achieve it and to do it once versus maybe three times. So the littlest things, like if you've got a meeting even, it's like, have you stepped back and really thought about the purpose of that meeting? Who needs to be there? What do you expect them to contribute? And what's the outcomes you want once we meet? I don't know about you, Chicky, but I went to so many meetings 
sometimes. And I wondered like, why am I here? And like, what was the real purpose of this meeting? And, and left thinking a lot of times that this was a waste of my time. So I became very, very conscious. And I would even tell my team sometime, I said, listen, if you come to one of the meetings that I planned and you are sitting there thinking about, I should be somewhere else. Or when you leave, you don't understand why we had it. Would you please tell me? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be mortified if I wasted an hour of your time that you could have right. been doing something else. So I just feel like as leaders, we have a responsibility to be prepared and to make sure that everything that we are asking people to do is tied back to those priorities, that they're tied to driving the real results we're trying to achieve and that everybody's crystal clear. And sometimes it requires us to step back and make sure that that's crystal clear. Well, and, and one of the things that struck me, I, you know, I spent the last 20 years consulting and I would go into a company and try to get on the schedule of the people that I needed to meet with. And some of them were booked out like two and three weeks. It's like, you know, if, if you are in meetings all day long, when does the work get done? Oh, right? and, yeah. and so taking a look at, uh, again, some companies spend too much time on preparation, all of their time in meetings. And, and they don't let their people actually get the work done. So, you know, that, that kind of comes down to the whole issue of process. So if we're always in meetings and never actually doing the work, then the process is broken. Absolutely. So what role does process play in heartbeat leadership in, in really empowering our people to get things done by being clear about what those right. So process, yeah, process is extremely important. And, and it really is important in the context of helping leaders understand the importance of results and focusing on people. And so I put this piece on process in there because the number one question I get from leaders is, okay, I get it. I want to be great with people. I want to develop them. I want to give them feedback, but I don't have time to do this. So, you know, how do I find the time to touch base with my team and to make sure that I'm giving them the support that they need and they get a chance to give me feedback and I'm giving them feedback. And that's why I put the word process in here because if you've got the right processes that support the most important priorities that you're working against and you've got the right people in place and you've given your space for preparation, then the process will work for you over and over again. And the place I've seen the process work the best as I talk about having this people first lens is that you schedule the time to talk to your team. You schedule the time to talk to your direct reports. You schedule the time to give them feedback. Um, and so I'm a huge proponent that if you have at a minimum, a biweekly check-in with your direct reports and it's their agenda, they come and they got 30 minutes minimum of your undivided attention. Right. You can consistently have a good pulse, no pun intended, on where they are in their leadership journey and their development, where they are against key priorities and deliverables and results in the business. And then you know exactly how you need to continue to work with them and what they need from you. Right. I'm saying that's work like magic. And you do the same thing from a team level perspective. You've got routines in place. How do you touch base with your staff weekly or monthly or whatever that cadence needs to be? When do you work on the here and now stuff? When are you doing the forward planning look so that you're not reacting all the time? You know, this process is really about having proactive leadership, not reactive leadership. Exactly. Well, and, and again, I think when you get around to, to the last 
couple of categories of, of the pulse elements. Uh, performance and promotion, again, I think really go hand in hand. And although I didn't work on the people side of things in my strategic consulting, one of the things I did hammer into them, you know, is, is that you are going to see results that line up with whatever your metrics are, whatever you're measuring guaranteed is going to get done and whatever you reward people uh, for that's going to get repeated. So how do you guide us again to use our heart in how we lead in getting the kind of performance out of our teams and, and really setting them up for being able to be promoted, whether it's within the company or moving to a competitor like you did and, and taking an even more powerful role? Absolutely. And, and I think, again, it, I hate to say it's simple because obviously it's not, but the first thing is obviously making sure that we've got the right metrics that we're measuring people on. I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people and I'll say, how, how are you doing? How are you viewed in the organization? How would you assess your performance? And they really don't know. Right. So go back to, okay, so what, what metrics are you accountable for in your role? Sometimes they know, sometimes they don't. The times when they do know, they still don't know exactly how they're doing. So this, this uh, metrics piece is not only about the metrics themselves, it's about talking about the metrics on a consistent basis as a team, as an individual, um, to make sure people know exactly how they're performing against those metrics. But more importantly, if there's a gap against those metrics, you know, what's causing it? And, and so many times we're quick to dismiss people as performance issues when indeed it, it could be just an understanding of how to drive the right activity to, to achieve those results. And we're just not having that level of detailed conversations to really help our, help our teammates succeed um, against the metrics. Right. And, and so in taking a look at setting people up again for promotion, for, for moving on to the next level of their career, even if it's within their existing role, how important is, is it for people to love what they do? I, I preface my introduction by, you know, the fact that uh, in my core business, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm building a tech company, but at the end of the day, the one thing that I'm responsible for is selling. The one thing that I feel the least capable of doing because I don't love it is selling, right? So how important in getting to that place where you can be promoted is truly doing what you love versus just what you're gifted in. Yeah, I think doing what you truly love is so important um, at the end of the day, because I think that's, that's the point where you work through just about any obstacle that's thrown at you, right? And I always believe that if you're doing what you love, you'll never work another day in your life. Now, having said that, I've done plenty of jobs along the journey that I didn't like but they were a, a means to the ends to getting to what I ultimately wanted to do. So it's the number one question I always ask people that are working on my team. What is it that you want to do? Number one. Number two, um, you know, why do you want to do it? Because I also get to the why and the motivation behind it. So when I get somebody says, I want to go to the next level, I'll ask them, why do you want to go to the next level? And what, and what does that mean? Um, and do you know what it's really going to take to go to the next level? Um, and, and are you qualified to go to the next level? So I, I, I find just asking people quite a lot of questions helps really get at the heart, no pun intended again, at to what their motivation is, what's driving their need to get there. 
And more importantly, how can I help them get there? And I could be honest with you, there's times when, you know, I've said, hey, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, that this is the right next step for you. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to challenge you to do some soul searching on your why that you're looking to do this specific role. Here's what I see. Um, and you tell me if this is really what's what you want to do long term. And here's what it means if you do. Well, Don, I, I just, I love this topic. And uh, at the beginning of the book, you, you've got uh, a statement that says the heart is the life force within each of us. It's the organ that keeps you alive with every contraction and pulse. Leaders are the life force of every team. And just as the heart pulses our nutrient rich blood to each organ in the body, leaders push out encouragement, direction, correction, energy, growth, and influence to the team. And now more than ever, how leaders handle each pulse can empower or weaken leadership, engage or disengage teams, and positively or negatively impact an entire organization. Don, thank you so, so much for sharing uh, Heartbeat Leadership with us. Again, uh, the subtitle of the book is Empower Yourself, Engage Your Team, and Impact Your Organization. Uh, I'm going to turn off the recorded portion, but I want to let uh, those who are live on the call ask questions, and I want them to be able to be candid, so we're not going to record uh, their questions and answers. But thanks so much. And uh, again, for those who weren't able to be live with us, uh, thank you so much for coming back and listening to the recording. Uh, we so appreciate you. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas, inspiration, innovation with Chickie Fitzgerald. just heard visit c-suiteradio.com c-suite radio turning the volume up on business